Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Come with us to the thrilling days of yesteryear when out of the West rode. How did they do that? The Great Horse Silver, I remember the long Oh, range. gosh, yeah, that was. Yeah. yeah. Well, in our last gripping episode. Oh, I, I got to start. Uh, I'm Jim Gerhardt, Bob Williams, of course. Hello. I got to start with a quote, and, and I'll do this without comment. H.L. Uh, Mencken, the great American writer and wit, uh, once wrote during a presidential election campaign uh, back in the 20s, and he was commenting on the uh, the fact, really, that many Americans, the plain Americans, wanted a president who was something like them. You've heard that before, yeah. Bob, and right. you've seen that. I want to mm-hmm. And Mencken says... On some great and glorious day, the plain folk of the land will reach their heart's desire, and the White House will be adorned by a downright moron. <laughs> I said do that without comment. Now, moving, oh, sorry. moving right along. Sorry I didn't follow your instructions. <laughs> no, you're, not, you're not supposed to respond to that. I mean, it's just, it's just, just a Mencken okay. thing here. Uh, you know, one thing that did get me, this is the 22nd of uh, November. <laughs> I have been amazed, and I don't know how long this has been going on, but I don't remember it before, absolutely no media mention or attention given to the Kennedy assassination, which happened on this day in 1960. 50, 60, 1963. 63. 56 years ago. Yeah. I uh, think I, I, I think last year was a huge anniversary, the 55th year. Oh, really? So perhaps since this is not a like a, a big year as far as like a calendar year, that uh, well, in fact, that it's not getting as much attention as last year. American history is in something of a sort of declasse now to media. But to many who who live through it or are or students uh, of history, it's a solemn day. Today is one of the saddest days in our country's history. Well, this is the big day that people say you always remember where you were and what yeah. you were doing. This is the biggie. Yeah. I mean, we have 9-11. We have a lot of other things. And where were you back on a dis- I was uh, working in Pittsburgh at the time, and I was in a dental chair in the office of Dr. Nicholas Batar, and he had uh, at least two hands in my mouth. Sometimes mm-hmm. it felt like more. Working on, we had a radio on, and there was a radio station that played uh, what good music, if you want, uh, not classical, but they all. In every town at that time, there was always a radio station that played sort of elevator music. Right, there was a top forty, and there was a beautiful music. There was a beautiful music station, beautiful music in the air everywhere over Pittsburgh. But anyway, the radio was on, and we heard the bulletin come in, and of course everything stopped, and we were listening, uh, and so. It was so fast, the developments that you got, that very quickly uh, there was a report from CBS that the president had died. So Dr. Batar went over, opened up a drawer, like they have in a dental, pulled out a bottle of uh, uh, Johnny Walker Red Label, mm-hmm. took two of those little cups, you know, the little paper cups. Little rinse wash, cups. Little yeah. rinse cups. Put one in front of me on his little Like a, like a shot glass? And, and one on his, and we sat there. Spent the rest of the, I, I guess, an hour or so just yeah. sitting there, just what thunderstruck, almost paralyzed, yeah. just just drinking the wow. scotch. That was that yeah. was quite a weekend. Then now, you did had, you have to did you have to go to work? And uh, well, I was I do morning shows, 
and that was after the morning. Okay, so, so I, was, I was through for the so day. So this was a Friday, right? It was a Friday, so, so I didn't have to go back. But then Saturday morning, you remember. Now, there was a big debate. I guess it was Sunday. The football game? The football about? game. Yeah, there, was, there was a big – this is in Pittsburgh at Forbes Field. The uh, Steelers were scheduled to play the Chicago Bears. And there was a big debate on whether NFL football should be played that Sunday. I think it ended up that some games went on, some didn't. This one did, fortunately, right. because the feeling was it'll take people's mind off this. Yes. And I do remember getting up, getting dressed to go to the game with the television on, and all of a sudden here was this scene of Lee Harvey Oswald getting shot by Jack Ruby. On that Sunday afternoon. On Sunday afternoon, just before he got in the car to go out. Uh, so... Uh, and, and memories that stick with you. And I remember during the ball game, sitting there watching the game, and there was an amazing play by a tight end, former University of Pittsburgh person whom you may have heard of today, not ner- terribly at the time, a tight end for the Chicago Bears named Mike Ditka, ah. who caught a pass and made the most amazing run <laughs> that thinks still I've ever seen in my life. I don't know, for some reason these things all hang together, mm. these memories. Yeah. And uh, if I recall uh, reading that uh, the uh, commissioner of the NFL, Pete Rozelle, uh, interviewed years later saying that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that he made as commissioner in allowing those games to be played on that Sunday. I wonder why. Because I don't remember they got any particular flack about it. People were stunned. Uh, I think uh, People were too stunned to be but you can't blame them for, angry about you, one you, petty you, thing you or can, another. You can't blame them for wanting to have some sort of diversion for the population. But there again, the magnitude probably didn't hit people like they like it did everyone was in shock by what happened it it was uh, uh, it was was an amazing time yeah yeah yeah. Uh, um nicholas says good morning from north carolina well good morning right back how's the weather down there nick it's uh, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, little bit I think it's raining like everything yeah, down there. We're going to get so. a little bit of everything. Oh, I've got to tell you something. This, this doesn't do anything newsy, but to me it is. There is a series on public uh, television, mm-hmm. PBS. PBS. This is by far the best done series I've seen in, what, 50 years of television watching. Have you seen any part of this called Country Music? Yes, yes, I did. It, it, it is, it is incredible. That's the, Ken, that's the Ken Burns series, right? It's a Ken Burns series, yeah, yeah. and I think there's ten of them. I think I've seen up a few. Seven. Yes, they're they're incredible. I watched one through uh, six mm-hmm. three times. <laughs> so you've seen the one with Roger Miller and? Oh yes, I've seen all of that. But what struck me is not a, see. I was never a country music fan. Never played at a country music radio station. Always thought I detested it. Until you come back and you find out and you see what a great, what a big part of your life it was. Mm. Things that I picked up and knew that I never thought I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it all, you know, it, it, a lot of it goes back uh, when they were a kid. Uh, going down on Saturday night and lying on the hoses in the back of the fire truck in the local firehouse with, you know, it was sort of a community gathering. And everybody sat there and listened to the Grand Ole Opry. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it certainly didn't make me a great fan or anything, but that's what we did. Uh, but things that you pick up. But I think more important, or to me as important as the music, was the background, the setting, the photography of an era <coughs> through which I lived and I remember. And I was growing up at the time as, as a young child down in the very southern part of Virginia. And it was rife with that music. Flattened scrugs, you know, were local guys and, and the like. Well, it looks like Janice can uh, 
can uh, understand what we're talking about. Janice from is from Arkansas. Okay, Ar- well, Janice. Ar- is that Arkansas or Arkansas? Uh, well, anyway, uh, you know, I, I just say, and I guess the reason I brought it up, or people, especially people who have some connection to that, you will be amazed by some of the uh, the background shots they have, the the scenery. Oh, uh, from and, the, and, the and, series. And, and, oh, and they'd, they'd great show, footage, Jim. Yeah. They would show these uh, places where some of these singers were born, these cabins, you know, but... And I would swear I've seen it because there were so many of them. I didn't see that particular one. But they were still down there the whole time I was growing up there. You could go out and, and, and the, the hillbillies. Yes. And I knew these people intimately. Not the singers, but of mm-hmm. course, but, but the culture. My father was the town manager, a little town in Virginia. And he would put me out from the time I was about 14 working with the street gangs, you know, during uh, school vacations. And the school, uh, the, the, the crews, the street crews, the Department of Public Works, was made up by the local hillbillies, really. And I got to <laughs> know these people who lived with them. Dirt, yep. I got to ride around, you know, and the, most of the stuff I did was riding around the, trush, uh, the truck picking up brush. I had to do the garbage truck every right. now and again. And we always had a mason jar of moonshine <laughs> down on the floor between the seats. And so I, I never realized that I was part of that culture. Uh, because you get away from it and you uh, go up, you go off to other things and other climbs. <laughs> and uh, Nicholas says, used to listen every day to you till I moved out in 2016. Uh, I guess it's North Carolina. Yeah, that Nick from North uh, temperature Carolina. Temperature up yeah. to 69 today. Nick, why did you leave New Jersey? <laughs> like, like we probably don't know. Right? Nick, Nick, tell me it's really a good thing to do because, you know, we all sit here and contemplate that. Yeah. Every time the, uh, the property tax business yeah, comes he, around. I presume Nick is very happy down there in NC. Yeah. Yeah. But some of the music, too, especially that that crossed over because I was playing. I remember, for example, working in Pittsburgh and doing a morning show and uh, we were also in the process of renovating an old farmhouse we'd bought up north of town in a place called Gibsonia up near Mars Pennsylvania mm. remember Mars oh yeah yeah <laughs> radio stations there's a little town north of Pittsburgh called Mars broadcasting from Mars and uh, yeah and radio stations all over the country used to have these contests you could win a free trip to Mars Without telling anybody, it's Mars, it, Pennsylvania. It was. It was. Yeah, and I, I guess it was named after the Mars family, the Mars Candy Company. Right. Was named after I forget his first name, Mars, which has so a facility up in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Exactly. M and M Mars. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, the the uh, I, re- I can remember so distinctly, KDK, which was the huge radio station yep. there. They played pops. During the day, the Westinghouse uh, station, yeah. the West, the big Westinghouse station, and I could remember just the the thrill and goosebumps when I'd be working away at this old house, and all of a sudden here would you know, pop on the Skeeter Davis, End of the World, mm. uh, and, and 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 the big one, the, the the really big one that got me, and man, I still get shiver thinking about this, was parking my car in the morning of the parking garage. And all of a sudden, it was very quiet walking in, and all of a sudden, bang on the radio, here comes. Bang, I can't stop loving you, the Ray Charles. <laughs> and that's, I still, thinking about that, I can get a goosebump thinking about Ray Charles. So, so these things, and, and they have great shots of that. You ever meet Ray Charles? No. I met him then, during, during the, hay, uh, hay, the heyday of that. They used to have uh, what they call beer and cheese parties, the local record pluggers. Now, the record plugging kind of got into uh, disrepute uh, during payola scandals back in the 60s. 
And so I came in on the cusp of it. The guy doing the show I did before, uh, when he left, he went, I think, to ABC. And he had gotten, well, payola. He had a new Ford station wagon. <laughs> well, the managers used to tell you, you go in and, you know, what does the job pay? And they say, well, it pays uh, about $250 a week, but you can get five, $600 in payola. <laughs> to offset. And, and this was top 40 radio, so you'd, you'd have a stack of 40, uh, little 45. And you play the one on the top, take it off put it on the bottom, play the next one on the top. Uh, and so that's the way it worked. But uh, anyway, th this uh, they had these parties and for stars. So you got to meet every star because these, these people were constantly traveling in the old days, not, not just the country, but, uh, but, but the, the pop people too. So uh, you'd have these, these, and you get to meet them. But I can remember Ray Charles, and uh, especially, when Ray Charles flew in, that was in the heyday of the uh, the big country album he made, I Can't Stop Loving You. Mm -hmm. And I remember Ray Charles, because you see him later, was he was very thin, extremely thin, and very, very affable. He came in and he walked around. What they did, we knew he was coming, we didn't know when, but all of a sudden a door opened and here that song boomed in, and here comes this little, very thin person uh, with his pilot who was with him. And, and he went around the room, and he would come up and introduce himself to everybody. Hi, I'm Ray Charles. Well, you know, we're saying, oh, my God, we know who you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm stunned. But and I had a nice conversation with him. Have you seen the biopic years ago with uh, Jamie Foxx, who portrayed R Ray Charles? No. I believe he either won for the Academy Award or he was definitely nominated. Uh -huh. um, excellent portrayal. Uh, it's about maybe about... 10, 12 years ago. Mm. If you haven't seen, I'm sure it's on demand. Just basically call Ray. My basic Excellent. Excellent. conversation with Ray Charles was about flying. Mm -hmm. He loved flying, and he had a pilot, and he had a plane. And the pilot would let him fly the plane. The pilot said that his sense of what sound, number one, but also of attitude, spatial orientation, all, was so great that he could pretty much fly the airplane by listening and feeling. You know, mm -hmm. the old fly by the seat of your pants thing, by feel. And I, don't, I doubt that he ever let him land. Yeah. <laughs> no. But otherwise, once you were up there, and he could do maneuvers and everything, he loved it. So quite a person. I guess my other one, I'm getting carried away here, because we did at least get to get acquainted with and talk to about everybody who was big in the early 60s in, in music. One of my favorites was, was the night that I got to spend a half hour with Ella Fitzgerald. Mm. Ella Fitzgerald had a, a, a record out at the time. And she was coming down to one of these parties at the Carlton House the Hotel in, in Pittsburgh. And she it was late. And what happened was that she was up in a room watching The Untouchables. And she was determined she was not going to get out of the room until she saw the end of the program. Well, they pushed her to come out early. And I don't know if she missed the end of the program or not. But I know we were standing there, there when, when Ella Fitzgerald came into actually an adjacent room. And uh, so we knew that she was in there, but, but nobody kind of went in because we weren't sure. She didn't look like she was the happiest person in the world <laughs> sitting there. And then out of it came one of the people who had been with her. His was a journal, an African-American journalist, named, I think named George Pitt, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, I've become very friendly with. So George came over to me for some reason or other, 
and sort of got me aside and said, how'd you and your wife like to come in and meet Ella? And I said, my God, of course we would. So we go in and we sit down, and one of us on either side, and she and, and Sue, my wife, they got in this great conversation, family and kids, the typical things you do with, with you know, women who get to, matrons who get together, yeah. and, and had such a great time. And finally, she uh, ended up, I guess, relenting and went into the room and got lionized and everything. But we got to sit there the longest time. Nice. So things like that happen. And the, to see a program that covers music during that era with all of these yeah. people in there is just amazing. So I would suggest to you that... Oh, those Ken Burns series are incredible. Yeah. He did the one on baseball. He's done the one on history, New York City. Oh, he's done countless ones. and just They're all, they're all very well done. Okay, Doug says, coming to New Jersey next week for Thanksgiving from Florida mm -hmm. to visit the children and grandchildren. Will it be safe? <laughs> I, I don't know, Doug. I It'll be expensive, more it, expensive it, it than would be Florida. More, it would be more expensive than if you're, uh, you moved your children to uh, where? But Iowa we, we or, must or do what we must do. Yeah. Rosemarie uh, says, move from New Jersey to Delaware. That's not very far. Love it here. I only miss New Jersey because my kids are there. Eh, they That's kind of cheating, moving to yeah, Delaware. It's just, of course, they like, don't have sales tax in Delaware. It's like a $5 toll. That's all it is. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. Otherwise, they'll, they'll up that toll on the Delaware Bridge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what else, what else is going on? I'm sorry. Are you no, no, it's fine. It's, uh, get, it's getaway, getaway week for Thanksgiving, yeah. as people were talking about. And, uh, it's, we're, we're doing this on Friday the, the, the 22nd, so uh, a lot of people are staggering. I mean, traditionally... <laughs> The Wednesday before Thanksgiving mm -hmm. is the most heavily traveled day of the year, followed by the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Those are the uh -huh. big travel days. But I think people have learned their lesson, especially at the airports and somewhat on the roads, that they're staggering their travel plans. I mean, you're going to see a lot more people traveling over this weekend if they can afford to take the extra time off at the airports or at, uh, for a long-distance trip. A lot of people are even taking that Wednesday off before Thanksgiving to get their day started or traveling on Tuesday. We've seen a lot of late Thursday, uh, Tuesday afternoon travel. That's the big travel day. I'm surprised we can still have Thanksgiving, that you don't have groups out there trying to intimidate you out of it, mm. because the pilgrims were no doubt uh, racist or locust or, <laughs> or whatever the pilgrims were. Yeah. Uh, they weren't progressive, right. I think. Anyway. But it's a special Thanksgiving this year because Eric Scott's Buffalo Bills are playing on Thanksgiving. <laughs> They're playing the Cowboys, and the Bills are actually doing pretty well doing this very, year. Doing very, very well. So, uh, go just, Bills. Just looking at some of the things here, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know if I mentioned it now, but I've spent the early part of the week very sick. Yes, that's still, why we're I'm here today. a little bit weak. Gave that's you an extra day instead of Thursday. Recover, yeah. Uh, trying to recover. I don't know what it is. It was the damnedest illness I think I've ever had. And for three days, mm -hmm. I could hardly get out of bed. And yesterday, when I finally said, I got to do something, and I put my 40-pound leaf blower on my back and went out and blew leaves. Sweated it off. And I, I wish somebody had taken a picture of it because I was trying to balance myself. I was so weak. And I must have looked like some kind of a weird dance, <laughs> some kind of a ritual thing going on there, back and forth. Looked like, the, looked like one of the mummers, you know, how they, how they walk. <laughs> yes. Two steps forward and three back. Oh, gosh. And, and so with it. Uh, 
I, I think uh, some hot topics this week. I, well, I, I think to, to me the Chick Fil A throwing in the towel was rather disappointing. Yeah, well, they were they're not going to donate to some of the Salvation uh, Army. Salvation Army. What's the reason but, for that? Well, the reason for that is that the usual the Alphabet Group, these are these yeah. intimidators, uh, have successfully intimidated them into not giving money to an organization that this group didn't approve of. Now, Salvation they, apparently, Army, they apparently did not bring the owners of Chick-fil-A to their knees by claiming that they were actually Christians, which was a terrible thing to them, because some Christian doctrine does not support their yeah. agenda. But Salvation uh, Army, that is a pretty well-respected group that well the salvation army is right a there, christian right, organization you know, right up there with the red cross i mean mm -hmm. as far as the good well, that they do and but, you know during times of you know terrible uh, tragedy and you know catastrophe that doesn't who, make it. who are that, you going to uh, donate to that I mean, doesn't you donate matter. to the red cross and then the salvation army they right crossed there. the mob they did not support this particular revenge agenda that everybody's supposed to support or you will be annihilated. Hmm. You know, it's gotten so bad that even President Obama, and I think I mentioned this last week, has tried to urge moderation on these groups, right. telling them that you're not going to do anything but create a backlash by this constant intimidation. Right. Now, the uh, what interests me was how the government allows people to be intimidated into accepting somebody else's idea of whom they can give to and to whom they cannot give. Right. That is completely illegal. Now suppose that a group tried to stop you from making political, not political, but making charitable donations to a Muslim organization. The government would have your butt in jail if right. you try to intimidate people. So a religious intimidation is totally unconstitutional. And yet here this is being done every day by a group that is getting away with it. And I have absolutely no difficulty with the people, their behavior, what they want to do, rights they have gained, God bless you, more power to you. But there comes a time when you're using it for purposes of intimidation simply out of my motivation for revenge, and in my view, this is what it is, then I think this is something that is totally in violation of our constitutional rights. In other words, by the same extension, Bob, you wanted to give money to the Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. uh, if your desire to do that was so large, they could come well after you. Yes, they could. And they've certainly come after the Scouts. And then how do you really But everybody know? backs down. But there again, how if they came after you, which is a possibility, how do you know that they're coming after you? Because they're standing out there screaming in the doors of your businesses and, and urging people, trying to keep people away. That's, that's how you'd know. So again, I mean, th th this is the thing. I, I get so upset with the irrational behavior. Yeah. And... and it, it, to some extent, I can organize. I, I can, I can, I can uh, uh, understand it or appreciate it. In my vision, anyway, I think here is an alliance of people who, for many years, uh, had every cause given to them by society for feeling bad about themselves, and you cannot help but build up resentment. And then suddenly, you find yourself in the catbird seat, and you're in a culture 
I don't know that this has ever happened before in history. For the entirety of history, go back recorded history, 3,500 years if you want, these particular activities have been considered, uh, well, sin in cultures that had sin. It was considered anti-acceptable uh, activity in others, punishable by the most stringent of punishments. And then this is right up until a generation ago. Yeah. You could go to jail for this. All of a sudden, the things for which people could go to jail and for which the brain's structure of the population had been sort of developed to oppose, all of a sudden, like clear blue out of nowhere, it's gone from a pariah status to some holy sanctity. Yes. Uh, and so it's gone, the activity has gone from a crime and a sin to a, uh, a, a sanctity is not the word that I'm looking for right now. But anyway, uh, to, to some kind of a holy act, yeah. and everybody is intimidated into going along with it. I think the, the problem here is we have had a change, a huge cultural change this is, in a short period of time. And just to try to do this in outline form, because God knows I'm not really capable of getting into it that much, I think there is a scientific reason for aversion to that, because from the time that people are about seven years old, you are programmed by the environment, yes. by the culture, and certainly by family. Social stimulation, and, and all your, of those factors. Yes, and, but your brain is formed. All the neural pathways, the billions of them in there, the little roots that thoughts take, that incidents take, and are connected to responses. These are hardwired into this unconscious, subconscious, or what have you. And it's very difficult to get up one day and say, oh, well, that's not right. Uh, I'll change it. In fact, there's a whole industry growing up right now trying to get figure out some way and get people to somehow reprogram their subconscious. How many people are buying these uh, CDs? Uh, have you seen those? I mean, the market is teeming with them, and they have these subliminal messages in, and just programs you. They have one for anxiety, for example. Right. And you, Dan, you're familiar the, with the MP3s. These. Yeah. And, yeah. And help me with some words here. Uh, there's a term for those. Do you remember the? And, and it's a big thing. Uh, also, there is a uh, there. There are several movements now, and some of which people pay good money to go off to seminars and the like. And the trick is to overcome anxiety and overcome uh, stress. Transcendental meditation, maybe. Well, well, that's part of it. That was one of the early ones. Was meditation. Uh, but but meditation, all of these involve meditation, yes. Now, I guess to, to buttress my point, the reason that we have that is the human mind works because of its programming. As Buddha pointed out, it's like a little monkey's hopping around in a tree and you can't stop them. <laughs> and so for anybody who's ever tried, you ever try meditation, Dan? Okay, once, I think, once or twice. <laughs> he does it in the car. And, 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 and how Bob? Uh, occasionally, some and, deep breathing. And I, I bet I can predict yeah. why, you, why it didn't work terribly well for you, because the brain won't stop yeah. and, and go into You've this You've got to completely stop, yeah. It just goes Absolutely. on and on and on and on. 
And uh, some rock artist, and I don't know the name of a song or what, uh, once had the line, he said, someone else is inside my head and I don't know who it is. But the point is that we, are, we have this subconscious down there programmed and all these, the, the uh, mechanically almost with the neurological uh, shenanigans that are going on in there. So getting back to the point, this, these judgments, these value judgments are locked into people. Uh, and there was no attempt to overcome, I think it used to be known as future shock back when history was happening so fast the human mind wasn't geared to, to, to absorb it and, and to, to deal with it. So um, all of these, these changes are going on without any thought to, well, maybe we should be patient with this and give people's brains uh, not uh, you know, a chance to yeah. absorb the change, and then we'll be okay. But it's all of a sudden, it's like all of a sudden you come in and you get... Uh, I'm hit with a croquet mallet. Right. <laughs> and so, Knock some sense yeah, Here it is. Okay, well, that, that's rambling on and on, but some thoughts about that and so where you, it is. So we're, uh, oh, the big story this oh. week is the uh, the tabling of recreational weed. I yeah. believe the decision's been made to put it on a the ballot for next November as a uh, question. Yeah, the ballot question. That will be, is it this coming November? Coming or? November, yeah. Coming November. Now, this is a trick. <laughs> Not a very good one. As you know, the governor had promised that uh, everybody would have uh, have weed up their nose by what ten days after he right after he after was he elected. Into, yeah. A few days after he was elected, this hasn't happened, and because the legislature has to pass suitable yes. legislation, uh, they have not done it, and so they've decided to throw in the towel right now. And uh, the. Uh, way they're doing it is to say oh to save face and i say save face for the governor too we're we're going to put this on the ballot then you can decide oh listen we're going to let the people decide we right, so true, they can wash their hands democratic. Of it, yes. we can wash our hands of it now it'll go on the ballot but it'll go on the ballot the way public questions go on the ballot it'll simply say i authorize the legislature to meet to come up with legislation with an eye to legalizing marijuana. Well, they've already done that. That's where we were. Okay, so See, this, we're right back right. where we started so from. So they just keep kicking the uh, weed down the they uh, road. Kick, they kick the the can of weed. <laughs> they kick the tote down the road. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so you're right back where you started again, because no doubt people will again say yes. But don't think that because you say yes that the day after the election or the day after the uh, the inaugurations in January, you're going to be running out there, you know, filling your pockets full of legal weed. Right. Uh, because you just, all you're doing is going back through the same process over again. Right, and they're just taking themselves off the uh, the hot seat for the next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you know, the, the thing with the legal marijuana is that it's still illegal nationally. Right, and you could get conceivably. See, we came close to doing this. The only reason that there was some legalized marijuana was that the attorney general during the Obama administration had turned his eye to it, and the uh, the Justice Department had allowed states to do this by kind of staying out of it. Right. However, there was a possibility during the campaign in 2016 that um, uh, uh, an anti marijuana crusader named Chris Christie 
could have become the attorney general mm -hmm. in a Republican administration. He didn't, but he could have. Therefore, he has said that if he were attorney general, he would have the national law enforced. Yeah. Therefore, there would be the end of all of the state marijuana, the yes. medical marijuana and the whole thing, because he was uh, adamantly opposed to it. So we don't know who's going to be elected or re-elected or how this will work out. Yeah. But I, I think it's just good to know right. that. Uh, so, uh, and uh, uh, let's just hit on this for a second. No, um, I, 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 I don't really do want, I don't no. want to get okay. into that. Right. I will do There's a couple do of things. Next time. And I tell you, I've been so damn sick and I'm, my brain is still a little bit, as you heard me rambling on about the, okay. uh, the, the, the Chick-fil-A business. It's just that I dislike seeing any organization or group have the power to intimidate people for perfectly legal behavior. Uh, there was one, oh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I must say I don't know much about them, except I do know that such an organization did, uh, and I guess does exist. That was the other one. The, uh, just looking down here at some little small instrumental things as we approach closing time. Mm -hmm. Drink up, everybody. University of Virginia on Veterans Day. They canceled the 21-gun salute, because? which was part of the... Well, because they said that the students were too sensitive to gunfire on the campus. <laughs> and so they could not have a 21-gun salute. Uh, now, I don't, know what to say. See, I don't know if anybody asks the students, are you sensitive to that? Do you feel that, what, do you feel that these uh, military people are going to break rank and come and shoot you? It's highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely they have live ammunition in there anyway. Uh, but it's, 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 it just shows how pretty much uh, ridiculous that we have gotten. And I think the school is just making an assumption that the whole student body is cowering in a safe yeah. place, being protected from hearing anything, any word that is opposed to whatever their core belief is right now. But on the positive side, nationally, I think you saw more cel uh, celebrations and commemorations yes. for Veterans yeah. Day mm -hmm. than we've had in recent memory. This is true. And this is the first time that well, a sitting president has actually attended the Veterans Day parade in New York City. Mm-hmm. And, 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 a, and a football and, game. And, and spoke uh, and made some remarks at it. Well, I saw the National Football League. I can understand them jumping on the veterans' bandwagon because they took a lot of flack last year because of the interferences that were allowed. And I don't know how they could have stopped them, but the interferences that uh, during ball games, during the what the national, the patriotic yeah. part of the program. The uh, I just want to do one more thing here. And I'm not sure, because again, I don't want to get into this, but this was a recent ruling by the uh, Attorney General's office, as I understand it, that police have to give special, careful attention to people who would qualify for this organization we've discussed, whose initials I can never get straight. LGBTQ. Whatever. Yeah. And they have to be treated pretty much, uh, I'm not sure, they didn't say the officer has to genuflect. When, when a person comes in. But they cannot be gender-specific, basically, so when you're addressing... They, how they'll teach the police to work around their routines and not mention pronouns, I have no idea, but that's something for them to yeah. do. 
But the first thing that popped into my head was a story last week from England, where I think this is already in effect. In England, a police officer lost his job because he could not bring himself to refer to a was person described as six feet four, uh, 260 pounds, very muscular with tattoos, a crew cut or bald head, and a long beard as Mary Lou, and address this person as ma'am. Uh, it just somehow was not in his programming to do it, and the person had demanded that it be done, and so he got fired. So I can't help but wait and see how, how this is going to shake uh, out. I mean, how the police department it seems like it seems right on the surface, and we don't know how it's going to play it, out. But it, it seems well, very complicated. But it's something you've, you've got to assume with every bit of uh, new regulation like this. And I'll go back to the Americans with Disabilities Act, if you want. These things are extremely well intentioned, and I'm sure this uh, this this directive is. But all this is going to do is get the ears perk up of lawyers and say, oh, my God, look at the, the, the fertile ground here for lawsuits. So if a police officer in the crush of duty uses the wrong pronoun and the person wants to complain, therefore, the, an attorney, I no doubt, can go and sue the police department of the town and anybody else in sight because of violating the law. So uh, things like this will come up. I don't know how they're going to work out. I have yeah. no idea. I hope they work out well. Yeah. I guess generally speaking, and to make an end of this whole thing, the biggest fear I have is not the ultimate implementation of all manner of special things that may seem somehow curious to us now. It's when is the straw, which one is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back? And people are going to say, I've had enough. Uh, remember out there that you don't hear this in media and it's kind of brushed aside and you're led to believe that everybody is anti-conservative. Uh, but remember, 65 million people voted for Donald Trump. That's a lot of people. And they still turn up at rallies and they still have a particular mindset. They're still deplorable. <laughs> and so they are going to be here when this brave new world suddenly is dropped in upon us. And how are they going to respond? I don't know. I'm not suggesting anything. Obviously, God knows not encouraging it. There are something like 15 million assault rifles they have among them out there somewhere or other. And I don't know what, where this where this goes. It, it's like... Uh, a runaway train right now heading in this very very far left direction and only I said you got former President Obama maybe pulling on the cord saying right, there's a bridge on. look there could be a bridge <laughs> out of there people yeah. look look at what we've gained slow down before you lose it all yeah. so I don't know this this is these are things you ponder and I'm pondering right now getting some rest and okay. uh, trying to get well and yeah. I hope I haven't infected you no with whatever I think we're the, good. The damnedest cold I think I've ever had. Yeah, you, you look good, and you're 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 covering it up. If you're still feeling ill, you, we can't tell. So it's good to have you back. Well, and I'm, we will be uh, we'll be taking next week off for Thanksgiving. Yeah, and we'll be back on uh, yeah, we, oh, yeah. two weeks from yesterday. So a Thursday the whatever that is, the 29th, yeah. the 30th. And I shall be Friday. probably clarifying many issues I talked about today when you no, could say, fifth. what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. And I will, I will simply impose upon myself 
Uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, the great philosopher's line, opening and ending line of his Tractatus Philosophicus, uh, his basic work, Tractus. Tractus. Tractus Philosophicus. (laughs) Anyway, the the Tracticus. Uh, in which the opening line says, Whereof one cannot speak, thereof one should remain silent. <laughs> Good words and, to live If on. there's any question about whether you know what you're talking about, just sit down and shut up. <laughs> uh, Happy Thanksgiving, Jim. Yeah. We'll see you on Thursday, December 5th, 10.30 in the morning. Okay. All right. so I'm, okay, let me begin responding, uh, responding to something here. Uh, time to hang it up. Human rights for everybody. I had nothing. This had nothing to do with human rights. I would certainly grant, and and certainly uh, would 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 support human rights in every regard. I do not believe in a human right, though, to intimidate other people simply because you feel that your right is superior to their right, uh, that your right deserves annihilation. Because remember, other people have rights too. I think this has gotten lost in the whole shuffle. Enjoy your rights. God bless you. But then just stop trying to browbeat everybody else into denying their own rights in order to allow you to somehow impose your own on everybody. Okay? Gearhart's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast.